Hi, and welcome to Young Balanced Minds, a series of new podcasts where young people talk about their mental health and their experiences of using a therapy called Cognitive Behaviour Therapy, also known as CBT. My name's Dr. Kate Donoghue, and I'm a clinical psychologist who's spent the last 25 years specialising in CBT with children and young people. I thought a podcast might be a great idea of inviting young people to share their own experiences of CBT, talking to them about what it was like to have CBT firsthand, and whether it helped improve or overcome their particular mental health problem, whether that was panic disorder, social anxiety, low mood, or a whole range of other emotional and psychological difficulties, many of which we'll be covering over the coming weeks. Today, the focus is on obsessive compulsive disorder, often shortened to OCD. It's a type of anxiety disorder which affects at least 1-2% to of people of all ages and all walks of life. When struggling with this condition, young people are caught in a cycle of what we call obsessions and compulsions. Obsessions are unwanted thoughts, images or urges which keep coming into the young person's mind and then creating a lot of discomfort and anxiety. The compulsions, sometimes referred to as habits and rituals, are then used in the short term to reduce the anxiety and as an attempt to put things right. These symptoms can have a huge effect on young people's everyday life, like going to school or college, seeing friends, and completing academic work and everyday tasks. In clinical practice, we see different forms of OCD in young people. The most common form is contamination fears and associated cleaning rituals, which may include excessive hand washing and cleaning and avoiding contact with anything or anyone that in the young person's mind is associated with germs or contamination. Clearly, in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic, where public advice is to wash our hands regularly, socially distance, wear face masks and, if necessary, self-isolate or shield, our sensitivity to contamination and the importance of personal hygiene has never been so normal. But it's possible that those with contamination OCD may face extra challenges during the pandemic, particularly around the daily exposure to COVID-related talk. Other forms of OCD that we see clinically may relate to doubt and uncertainty, leading a young person to believe that something bad may happen if they don't check their actions or do something the right number of times or in the right way. Other young people with OCD may have thoughts which they see as strongly inappropriate, upsetting or immoral, such as having thoughts about harming someone. It's this last form of OCD which affected my current guest, Kieran, who's 18 years old. Kieran has experienced the struggles of living with OCD and also engaging in a course of CBT to see if it could help him. So, welcome, Kieran, and thank you so much for agreeing to share your experiences today. Thank you for having me. As a starter, I wondered if you could tell us a little about your OCD, Kieran, in particular when it first started, how it affected you, and what kind of impact it was having on your life. So, I would say it properly started for me about two years ago when I started sick form. 
So it just sort of came out of the blue. I, I can remember the day that it sort of started to get on top of me. And I just, um, it was this one particular day when I became hyper aware of certain aspects. So if, at the start, it was like blinking or breathing. And then it became focused on my bladder. So I thought that I always needed to go to the toilet. So the obsessive thought was I needed to go to the toilet and the compulsion would be me going to the toilet. But I had no idea that it had a connection to OCD at that point. So I just thought that I had a bladder infection or something like that. So I went to the doctor, nothing happened because obviously I didn't have that. And I just thought at that point that like I was going crazy. I didn't understand because the common misconception with OCD is that it's cleaning or whatever because in pop culture, that's what it's seen as. So I had no idea it was that. So I just sort of, retreated into myself and just thought I was the only one. I was the weird kid who had these issues. So I was completely in the blue, sort of like had no idea what was going on with me. So I dealt with the hyper-awareness for maybe two or three months that was going on. And then I found a lump on my testicle, which the OCD latched onto as it uh helpfully usually does latch onto the things you care about the most or worry about and that became sort of health anxiety out of that so obviously I went to the doctor got a scan and that was all clear and I was fine but the intrusive thoughts wouldn't let me let it go so I kept thinking I had that issue over and over again even though I think I knew deep down there wasn't an issue I just couldn't get out of the cycle of thoughts and round and round and round so that maybe continued for six or seven months, maybe. Like just thinking I had this disease or something's wrong with me over and over again, but not knowing what. And then I think it was around the summer of 2019 where I started not to be able to cope by myself anymore. So it then switched to harm OCD, which is quite distressing. And to be honest, I still kind of struggle to talk about it even now because. To people who don't necessarily know what it is, it can sound quite, I don't know how to word this, like quite distressing or makes you sound like you're mad because harm OCD, basically you get intrusive thoughts about hurting people that you love or you're close to. And to someone who doesn't know about OCD, that's just, oh my God, I'm the worst person ever. And also it makes it hard to open up because that particular type of thought, you don't want to tell someone that you're having that thought. So then these harm thoughts went on and on for quite an extended period of time. And it just got to a point when I just couldn't cope anymore and sort of broke down and just then forced myself to go and ask for help, basically. So that's sort of the chronology. chronology. Oh, I can't even say it. The, um, the sort of start to finish of my OCD. That sounds like a long time to be struggling alone, yeah. trying to make sense of what was happening to you as your worries changed from blinking to different health concerns and then eventually thoughts about harming others. At what point did you start to think that your difficulties characterised by all these intrusive, unwanted thoughts was OCD? It's quite, I just sort of stumbled across it because one of my compulsions I know now was searching on the internet to try and find reassurance to make myself feel better. And I don't know, one particular day I must have just stumbled on something online and it was someone describing a type of OCD called pure OCD, which is the more mental side, but 
you do still have com- compulsions, but they're more mental. And I was reading about that and it just, it's almost like it just struck a chord with me. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not mad. Like I'm not a bad person. So at that point, that gave me the reassurance. But what I didn't do at that point was go and ask for help. I was like, oh, I know what's wrong with me. I'm fine now. But OCD, as people know who've got it, it finds a way to get back into your life. So then I went to the doctor, told him that I'd read about this, and then I was referred to CAMS for young people. And then I was placed on a CBT waiting list to go and get some therapy to help me, basically. For those listeners who don't know what CAMS is, it's an NHS-based child and adolescent mental health service. It sounds as if it was really helpful to finally acknowledge that you needed help and great that your GP then referred you to CAMS. I guess prior to reaching that point, it sounds, Kieran, as if you were doing a lot of reading and carrying out your own internet research, which you mentioned was a compulsion for you as a way of trying to get some reassurance. Yeah. In hindsight, how helpful would you say these strategies were for you? in the short term and also how helpful were they for you in the longer term in the short term they feel good because you reach a point of anxiety where you think you can't go on anymore and you think this is getting too much so then you do the compulsion to reduce that so short term you feel better so i would look stuff up on the internet and i'd see something i'd be like oh i'm all right and then the, another thought comes maybe two minutes later, it could be half an hour later, and it, you get back straight back into the hole. And that's the hard thing to do because that is one thing you want to do, but it's the least helpful thing you can do. So another thing with me was avoidance. So I would always run away from issues or try not to confront my anxiety because it felt so bad and sort of withdrawal from normal life. And I guess that's how my OCD started to affect me on a larger scale I guess. How did this end up affecting your everyday life? At the start I could sort of cope with it because I think my OCD got worse as it went on because your coping mechanisms kick in at the start and you think you'll be okay but as it morphs and snowballs it gets worse and towards the end I just found it incredibly difficult to get out of bed or go to school or stuff like or even meet up with friends which looking back now is quite sad because I think I drifted away from my friends but I do have to tell myself that it's not my fault that that happened I've got a mental health disease that affected that but basically it was just shutting down parts of my life one by one and as I said before OCD attacks everything you care about so it just goes after one by one and just takes it away from you almost so it got to the point where I couldn't live my life properly anymore. There's a really strong sense from what you're saying, Kieran, of the OCD robbing you of the things you enjoy in life, taking over and having a huge impact and control over what you can and can't do. Yeah, you become very insular because you're constantly fighting these thoughts. So you can't think about anything else. So when people are talking to you, you're pretty much in a different world completely, just trying to stop these intrusive thoughts from taking over. And OCD kind of just makes you feel like a bad person. And it's just not a particularly pleasant time when you're getting bombarded with these thoughts. A very courageous move then to go to your GP and to talk to him about what was happening to you. 
Mm-hmm. Reflecting on that now, what do you think made you decide at that stage to make an appointment to see the GP? I think it just got to my, a point where I was like, I don't want to do this, like have to fight these all the time. And it was like, I do want to live my life. Like it pretty much put a stall on my life for maybe a year and a half where I couldn't necessarily think about the stuff I wanted to do. So I just thought I need to change this. So I then told my parents about it and then we went into the GP and I told him what was going on basically. So you were referred to CAMS and placed on the waiting list for CBT. Mm. Tell us a little about the CBT and what you knew about that particular model of therapy before you actually received it. Not much, but I was doing psychology at A-levels at the time, so we'd learned a little bit about CBT, but because I just didn't even twig that I had OCD, I didn't even think that that could be a way that could help me. But I had learned about how it's, it's sort of the person guides the therapy, but you're helped along by your therapist. So it's like once you make a breakthrough, it's like you've done it because you've been well, mine was anyway, my my therapist, she led the therapy, but I was making the decisions. So it sort of empowers the the person who's struggling to change it for themselves because that's how you get better is by making the changes by yourself. But you are helped along the way by skilled therapists. It's really good to hear how you experience the CBT as an empowering model of therapy. And I think particularly as it prides itself on being collaborative and inviting the young person to work closely alongside the therapist. It's very much about teamwork. Is that how you experienced your therapy? Yeah, definitely. Because I think when you're struggling, you just want the magic pill or you want someone to do it for you. But with CBT, it teaches you that if you make the changes, it can help you long term because you made them in the start. So that can help you for the rest of your life. It's not someone else doing it for you. So you get taught specific techniques that you can then learn and get yourself better. And actually, it's quite empowering because after you've done a session and you've done one of these techniques that can be quite hard because you have to confront these issues, it gives you confidence because you've done it yourself but with help from someone sure so ultimately learning over time to become your own therapist yes definitely what would you say you learned during the process of having cbt what did you learn about the ocd and what did you learn about yourself a a lot (laughs) in short um Well, I think my OCD, it started properly two years ago, but I can sort of now trace back to other periods in my life where I'd got into these obsessive cycles. But obviously two years is when it kicked off properly. But you learn a lot because during CBT, you learn about the triggers and the way you respond to certain thoughts that are harmful and not the way you should be doing doing it. And um, it's just about acceptance really you've got to accept that these thoughts are going to be there in the short term but if you weigh out the anxiety and you let it happen it always goes down so cbt taught me that basically just to accept it's going to be hard but you will get through it because i think that's the fear with people with ocd is uncertainty and with any uncertainty like with people without ocd uncertainty is not 
nice but with OCD it's like the worst possible thing but if you accept that uncertainty is a thing and will always be a thing you become more okay with the issue itself you seem to have learned such a lot about what keeps the OCD going and when you're faced with triggers, knowing what's helpful versus an unhelpful response. You've also highlighted, Kieran, the importance of learning to tolerate uncertainty, which personally I think is such a critically important part of CBT for OCD for, for many young people I work with. Yeah. You've also mentioned accepting that the work may be hard and Perhaps one of the most challenging parts of OCD work for a lot of individuals is accepting the thoughts. Yeah. I was wondering what you used to do with your OCD thoughts prior to the CBT. Well, it's sort of, it's like running away from them. So you'd get a thought and you'd be like, I can't think that, I can't think that. I'm a terrible person. So with the harm thoughts, you'd get a thought and you'd go, normal people don't think like that so you'd think oh I can't think about that I can't think about that I need to do something to stop it whereas CBT teaches you that everyone gets intrusive thoughts it's just people with OCD react differently to those thoughts with massive anxiety effectively but you just need to let that thought hit you and accept that it's OCD and it doesn't reflect on your personality or who you are and wait it out because the anxiety the next time it hits you will not go up as high if you wait it out and just let it decrease. And then the thoughts will have less power over you the more you do that. Because when you next get them, you just go, well, that's stupid because I know I'm not going to do that and I'm not a bad person. So that really helped with me because when you're in the cycle, you just can't see how a normal person, and I say that in inverted commas because nobody's really normal, but... Um, would have a thought like that but everyone does it's just the reaction you have to it and you learn that those thoughts don't define you and you're not that person. The thing that really stands out for me from your response is how you now view your thoughts and the meaning that you attach to those thoughts so differently knowing that everybody has unwanted thoughts from time to time and that having the thoughts that you've struggled with in the past and maybe even occasionally now doesn't make you a bad person. As you said, they don't define who you are. Definitely. Because at the start, I remember my therapist was telling me that she'd have had these type of thoughts in her past. So the example she used is when you're standing on a train station and you might have a thought of, oh, I could just push that person on off the platform. And that's just a random thought. And someone without OCD would just go, well, that's a bit weird, and then carry on with their day. Whereas a person with OCD would think, I'm the worst person in the world. They would step back to remove themselves from that situation. Whereas through as the CBT went on, I realized that everyone has them. And most people would maybe even say they don't have them, but that's because they don't give any attention to them. So they wouldn't even um, know that they have those thoughts, but they do. Whereas people with OCD, they pay all their attention to it, can't get it out of their head and then think, oh, I'm the only one who's getting those thoughts. But there's thousands, well, literally everyone has them. And then there's millions of people with OCD who also do that. So you're never alone in that situation because I think OCD does make you feel quite lonely because you become so insular locked inside your own head 
and it just makes you feel like you're the only one when you're not. As you started to share more of your thoughts with your therapist, Kieran, in what way did that influence your decisions to share and talk about your OCD struggles with other people outside of therapy? So it was sort of a delay because at the start, I just thought, like, I can't say that to your family because you just think, oh, I'm mad. But then as you speak to the therapist and they talk you through it, you understand that it's not you. So then I did then open up to my family first, explain the situation to them. And my dad was like, yeah, I've had thoughts like that before. So that made me feel better. And then I did then open up to my friends and that was really good for me because they've been really supportive of me. And they had sort of noticed that I'd been withdrawing from myself. But um, just being open with people just helps so much because I think when you're struggling, you feel like you need to put on a fake image that you're okay. But if you then tell people, they understand that it's okay not to be okay. So if I was having a bad day, I wouldn't have to go into school and pretend, oh, I'm the happiest person around because at that point I wasn't because I was struggling. But pretending you're okay requires a lot of energy. And that's another thing I talked through at CBT that if you just allow yourself not to be okay, you just have so much more energy and it just helps in the recovery process. It really doesn't sound as if you've had any regrets about gradually over time sharing stuff with family and then friends. What's great to hear is how through being brave and doing that, you've discovered that others also have unwanted thoughts at times, um, as your dad said. Yeah. And that I guess your initial predictions right at the beginning of therapy that people may see you as a bit bad or weird weren't actually accurate at all. Yeah. Um, Reflecting now on the CBT that you've completed, what would you say was the most challenging or difficult part of the work for you? Well, you do these, they're called behaviour experiments. So mine specifically was, because I had trouble with these the harm thoughts, um, we did an experiment where I would say the thoughts out loud for a period of time, um, which I was really hesitant to do at the start because I really did not want to do that. So that was really challenging, but we built it up. So at the start, I only had to do it for a shorter period of time and then it went longer and longer as you build up the confidence to the point where I could just do it for an undetermined amount of time and it I wouldn't feel the same anxiety I did at the start and it also helps to show the method of how to beat OCD because at the start you react with anxiety and it's the worst thing but then by the end of the seven sessions we did about that you can see the anxiety graph is lower and so it just gives you an example of how to beat OCD and also if I had any of my other OCD thoughts like the hyper awareness thoughts or anything like that you can apply the same logic to it even though it's not the same experiment so it just helps to put in practice the right type of coping mechanisms not the avoidance the reassurance seeking sort of ways of dealing with OCD and it's just I will always have that example in my head of this is how you beat it so it was really helpful in that sense. Facing up to your anxiety and over time having an experience of managing it and seeing it reduce without needing to engage in compulsions or or rituals is fantastic work. 
I can see that it, it's such a challenging thing to do. And yet, arguably, what you've described is the most important part of CBT work for OCD. If you were to identify the most powerful or effective strategy that you've taken away from your CBT, I'm just wondering whether whether it would be the same, learning to confront and manage the thoughts, the sensations and situations which trigger anxiety rather than avoiding them, or whether you would identify another strategy. Well, it would. it's almost like just letting it play out. So when you get those thoughts, your instant reaction is, I need to do something now. Whereas I've learned that just let it, let it be for a bit and maybe in two hours if it is still as bad I'll tell myself yeah you can do something then but let's just see so I would then leave it a prolonged period of time and more often than not it goes back down and it is frustrating because on certain days yes it gets to you a bit more but that's other factors like if you're tired then it can get to you but you just got to stick with it and I just learned just to let it play out and let the anxiety do its thing, you will be all right. Because that's another thing. You you think that you're in mortal danger almost half the time. But if you let it be, it then proves to you that you're not. So when you get those thoughts again, you know that you're okay and you don't need to react with anxiety like you have previously. It's like building up evidence over time, isn't it? And gradually developing a different relationship with anxiety. Yeah, exactly. It sounds as if all the behavioural experiments you've completed, which have been designed to test out your thoughts of harming others, through that you've discovered that if you stick with the anxiety and you don't respond to the OCD thoughts, nothing happens. And through that you've discovered that a thought is just a thought and that thoughts can't make bad things happen. I was wondering how your OCD is now. Um, I don't know when you finished your CBT. Sort of two, three months ago, properly we ended the session. So, and that is difficult because you end it and then it's like, oh, wow, I'm by myself now. But what you've built up the strength over that period of time so that you can do it by yourself. And again, that's very empowering. And I'd be lying if I said that, oh, I'm amazing every single day, but no one is. So so there'll be other there'll be certain days, maybe even weeks, where my OCD is a bit more on top of me. But there are other factors that affect that. So recently I got a new job and that's quite an anxious thing for anyone. And I noticed that my OCD was getting slightly worse in that period. But it's just being self-aware that, yes, it, it'll be, it is going to be bad for maybe a week or so. But once I settle in, I'll be OK. And that's what I was telling myself in that week. And two weeks later, I'm fine. And I'm back to what I was. So it's just accepting that you are going to have bad days with OCD, but that's OK. And you'll be all right in the long term. And that's what CBT just builds strength for you. And just that's what it did for me. It just allowed me to deal with it by myself, where if you'd asked me six, seven months ago that I'd be sat here talking like this, there would have been absolutely no chance I would have said that. So it's actually, it's amazing actually thinking about it. And to anyone else who's out there struggling, it's, you will get through it. Just keep going, basically. 
What's also fantastic is that you've clearly made so much progress and achieved so much through your hard work and willingness to engage with the CBT, to carry out behavioural experiments and to develop the skills to tolerate the anxiety that comes with standing up against the OCD. Yeah. And you're also realistic, saying that some days, yes, the OCD may still be around a bit, particularly during times of stress, such as starting a new job. But given that there are always stresses in life, how confident are you feeling that you'll be able to hold on to what you've learned during your CBT and keep the OCD at bay? So... Yeah, very confident. It's towards the end of the CBT therapy, you have a few sessions about relapse, the potential of a relapse. So you talk through your coping mechanisms. And we made a document that I have printed off that sat in my room that says how I cope with it and how I will get through it. And this stuff that I said to her then, so it's from me, so that when I had that tough week, I went back to it and read it. And it just fills you with some confidence that you will be okay so that sort of last few sessions just gives you a plan of what you can do if it does get bad again and some people after cbt they might be all right for the rest of their lives and it won't affect them but with other people you will it will come back at certain points but it's just staying with those positive um, coping mechanisms and not returning to the negative ones which CBT teaches you so yes yeah, so I'm really glad that you mentioned the relapse prevention plan um, or the coping plan as we sometimes call it with younger children it's great that you see it as a helpful resource that reminds you of all the skills and strategies that you've developed throughout your CBT and something that you can always refer back to if needed yeah, definitely. Okay, so there may be young people listening to this podcast who themselves are struggling with OCD symptoms. Knowing what you know now, Kieran, what advice or tips would you give to them? Well, first and foremost, tell someone. And I know it's quite a corny thing because everyone always says that, tell someone. Um, but it's the only way really. So like, it won't help you straight away. And I remember when I told people, I was like, why am I better? This is what they tell you to do. And, but it just sets in motion the wheels that will get you out of the hole. So first and foremost, tell someone, and it can be anyone you trust really, and go and get help. So go and speak to your GP and then they might refer you so you can get CBT. But if my advice is if you can have CBT therapy for OCD anyway, it's the most helpful thing that I've had because you're doing it, which just gives you so much confidence. It's like you're helped along the way, but you're the person making the changes for um, making your life better. And it helps in other ways in life, not just for your OCD, just in life in general of just having a slightly better positive outlook on life. So my advice is, speak up and you will get better it might take an extended period of time but you'll get there because I remember saying when I was terrible I was like if I get out of this I want to help other people and that's why I'm sat here talking on this podcast today because it is bad and it can get really tough but there's other people out there struggling who have made it through like me so anyone out there you can get through it and you will that's such great advice 
Kieran, thank you so much for sharing your experience of OCD and your journey through CBT and for offering so many helpful insights, tips and advice. This podcast is called Young Balanced Minds, and it's just one in a series of podcasts covering a lot of the mental health problems experienced by many children and young people. I've put some links in the show notes to different resources. If you're listening to this and you feel you're struggling, as Kieran says, please reach out and seek support, either from family and friends or if needed from professionals. Finally, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please like us on Spotify or on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We do hope you listen to the next podcast in a couple of weeks' time. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, please let me know by dropping me an email at info at bristolcbtclinic.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, take care and stay well. <music>